Revolve hits the stock market, Instagram goes down, and an inspiring and exciting interview with my good friend, Chelsea Evans. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. I'm your host, Abby Zufel. Working Girl Talk is the podcast for women who work. Each episode covers the latest news in social media, business, and marketing, and covers a working girl topic. As a marketing strategist and fellow working girl myself, I aim to educate and inspire you to be the best version of you inside and outside of the workplace. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. And as I'm sure you know, Instagram went down this week. I'm glad I saved the recording for the podcast for today because Instagram went down today and wow, everyone just loses their minds and it is quite the scene to watch. So we will get into that in a second, but I just wanted to run through how today's show will work. So we have an exciting interview with my good friend, Chelsea Evans, who's also a social media and digital marketing strategist. We'll be talking to her in a bit, but I wanted to share two new stories this week that you need to know about so you can be informed in the workplace. So our first story, you guessed it, we're gonna talk all about Instagram. So if you noticed this week, Instagram went down on Thursday. If you tried to log into your account, you may not have been able to post a photo or even comment on my account and just said it error try again later so of course i took to twitter to check it out and of course instagram down was trending so i love checking out all the tweets and i always think it's funny that to reach its audience instagram eventually has to tweet use a competitor's platform to get their message out that something went wrong. So that's always funny to watch on the social media side. Instagram hasn't said why this issue has happened, but it has happened recently in the past. As we know, we had that really long down a few months ago that was pretty much all day. So they they haven't said, uh, but eventually they did end up tweeting. I was checking all day. They finally ended up tweeting saying that they were working on fixing this, but it was funny because they said some people are having issues and then all the tweet replies back were like, oh, you mean all people? So kind of funny there. So they haven't confirmed what happened, but an interesting theory that's been going around, if you are a Swifty or a fan of Taylor Swift, you may have already seen this, but Taylor Swift actually went live on her Instagram story today uh, around the time when the outage started to happen a little bit after so people were saying taylor swift broke instagram which over a hundred thousand people did tune into her live so maybe maybe that theory is right maybe taylor swift just overloaded instagram today so that's kind of a funny theory um definitely one to watch on this when i last checked instagram was back up and running for me so i'm assuming it's good to go for now but i think this raises a question that needs to be answered why does this keep happening Instagram, I think they owe everyone a little bit more information. Just because Instagram and Facebook are so powerful in the social media realm, yes, it's a business, but so many millions, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people use their products. I think they owe an explanation. Like, did somebody trip on a cord and unplug a server and everything went down? Like, or did Taylor Swift really do it? So I think we deserve some answers and I would assume everyone agrees. I don't like when they're all vague, like, oh, there's an outage. We're trying to fix it. Just let us know and also why does this keep happening i think people wouldn't be as upset if they just explained what was going on so there's my two cents we'll keep an eye out fingers crossed that instagram pulls through as i said as i last checked it was working but 
Fingers crossed for them that they'll keep it going. Story number two, Revolve hit the stock market this week. So I'm sure you're familiar with Revolve, but for those of you that aren't, Revolve is a clothing brand that has heavily used influencers with all of their marketing. They have relied on influencer marketing heavily throughout their whole lifespan. That's how I first heard about it. They were one of the first people, if you've ever heard of the Revolve Festival, uh, to kind of tap into that influencer marketing. They're like the gold standard for influencer marketing. That's how they got really huge. They hit the stock market this week. It ended up being the third best day for first day debuts in 2019. So earlier this year, Beyond Meat and Zoom also hit the stock market. That was number one and number two. And then Revolve is now the third best debut. So they had an IPO range between $16 and $18. It ended up pricing at about $18, the high end of their target range. And the stock proceeded to go up during the open trading at $25. And at the close, the stock was at 34, meaning their first day IPO rounded out to essentially 90%. So it had that large jump. So as I've been reading more about this, a lot of people say that this hot streak will kind of end with Revolve. I didn't know that after doing some research, their growth slowed noticeably earlier this year before they even went public. Just in general, their business experienced some slow growth. Current trends imply growth will continue to slow for the foreseeable future, according to SeekingAlpha.com. They're like a per portfolio um, analysis news source. So that's what they say. A lot of other news sources say how great it is. They're focusing just on the positive. So one to watch. If you're into stocks, definitely check it out. If you're a millennial girl, you probably know them and are a fan. So it might be worth checking out. And that is our quick news update this week. I want to get right into my interview with Chelsea. Chelsea Evans is an awesome girl. I used to work with her and then we just stayed friends ever since. She is the owner of Scott Social, a boutique social media and digital marketing agency, which she'll talk all about. She is an awesome example of going after your dreams, especially at a young age and sticking out from the crowd and being able to collaborate in different situations on social media and beyond. So without further ado, here's my interview with Chelsea. If you walked into a networking event and somebody was like, oh, nice to meet you, I'm whatever, what do you do, like, who are you, what would you say? I should have come up with something. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. (laughs) Um, My name is Chelsea. I do organic digital marketing for a variety of different small businesses, and a lot of them are women-owned, which is an area I didn't plan on moving into, but it happened, and I love it. Um, For the most part, I do a lot of social media management, but as of recently, I've moved into SEO and email marketing, and um, I now offer product photography and PPC through other connections, so it's almost like a full-service agency, but it's a community of freelancers all working together. Way cool. (laughs) Love. That was like a perfect introduction. And I want to like step back a sec because that is a good like snapshot of what you're doing now. But let's rewind a bit because just so everyone knows out there, I know Chelsea. We used to work together and became friends. And I want to rewind a bit. So let's flash back to a year ago. So kind of take us through this journey of now being freelance because I know you've been doing that for about five months 
months now, five to six months. So, um, but it kind of started before that too. So if you want to just, because I know it takes a lot to get to this point. So like, let's flash back to a year ago. Like, where was your head at? What like made you make this jump? Mm-hmm. I'll flash back even further. Okay, so perfect. So in high school, I actually knew I wanted to own a digital advertising agency, mm-hmm. and I had full confidence that I would be able to do it. But then moving into college, that's where a lot of fear started to set in. Um, I actually got paired up with a mentor, and she was high up in marketing for a company in Phoenix. And when I was asking her about what she was doing and how she got there, you know, she she laid it all out. But I was mainly curious about how I could get there and how I could move into a leadership position within marketing. And when I asked her about how I could get there, she laughed. And she said, it's going to take time. And that was not exactly the answer I was looking for. So I said, well, what if I start my own business? And she laughed again and said, no, it's going to take time. So I left that day feeling pretty discouraged. And then later at my first job, I was hired on to this job to run social media. Mm -hmm. And on my first day of working, my boss and I were having a conversation. And he said, this is a great partnership because you're great at what you do. You're good at social media and digital marketing. And I'm great at the sales side of things. I'm great at business development. Mm -hmm. And I agreed with him. But then he went on to say that, yeah, you probably wouldn't be very good at sales because you're soft-spoken and you wouldn't know how to put your Mm -hmm. foot down. It wasn't meant to be in a negative way, but I Mm -hmm. definitely took it as that. And I went home and felt like, yeah, you know what, maybe owning a business is not in the cards for me. This isn't going to happen. So then flash forward to about a year ago, that's when I started a new job at a new agency with plans to be there for two years. And that did not go as planned because clients started popping out of nowhere and wanting me to run their social media. And I would always be so shocked at first. My reaction was always, wait, you, me? Or do you want to go to my agency? And they would say, no, we, we want to work with you. And so I started taking on freelance clients. And next thing I knew, I had too many freelance clients, which now <laughs> is a good problem looking back. But at the time, I was working a full-time job and had about 20 hours of freelance work on the side. Mm-hmm. So I was not healthy. I was getting sick all the time. I was stressed. And I really didn't know what to do because I still didn't feel qualified to be a business owner. And my mother-in-law actually bought me a book. It's Business Boutique by Christy Wright. And if you're in the in-between stage right now, I definitely recommend buying that book. And I only read the first three chapters, and that's all I needed. One of the quotes said, That thing you want to do, the calling on your heart, and the dream that keeps nagging at you, it's the only job you can do. And I remember reading that. I was on the plane going to Phoenix in tears because I was like, wait, (laughs) I'm supposed to be doing, you know, I'm supposed to be doing digital marketing for myself, freelancing, and why have I not been doing this? And at the end of the chapter, there's actually a question with a blank space under it. And the question was, what is something you've been avoiding because you're scared? Write out a date that you commit to do it just once. And so I wrote down, I'm going to quit my day job February 1st, 2019. But it goes even a step further because I have so much guilt with quitting a job. Like a lot of us do, you feel like you're Mm -hmm. letting down the company. And so I knew that I had to do something dramatic that would make me quit my job. And so I booked a non-refundable flight to Hawaii. And two weeks before my trip, I quit my job. And I celebrated myself on the beach of Hawaii and started freelancing (laughs) in Kauai. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's amazing. I love that. So let's go back to the client side. So mm-hmm. I know you said they were kind of reaching out to you. How did people find you in the beginning? A lot of it was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. People saw what I was doing on my own social media, which is really bizarre because I have, I don't know, 4,000 followers. That's not even a micro-influencer, I wouldn't say. <laughs> but people saw what I was doing there and the voice that I had, and they mm-hmm. saw work that I was doing elsewhere. And a lot of people right now are wanting to work with smaller agencies mm-hmm. and freelancers because they don't trust larger agencies, at least with what I'm finding. Mm-hmm. And so people wanted to work with me specifically. And mm-hmm. if they couldn't work with me, they wanted to know of another freelancer. Gotcha. Okay, I want to pause for a sec and go back to what you just said, because you working with clients, you hear that often, like that people do have some kind of fear or hesitation working with anyone in the marketing field because they've been burned before. Can you talk about your experience with that? Yeah, so probably around three-fourths of clients that I meet have had a bad experience before me, which is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And You've probably even seen these more corrupt freelancers or businesses take place. Even on Instagram, they'll reach out all the time and say, hey, your SEO isn't looking great, but you can pay me $50 a month and I'll shape it up for you. Mm-hmm. And we we know, if you're in marketing, you know that that's not true. But as a business owner who doesn't have background, mm-hmm. they don't know. And so they might be spending that $50 a month or they might be going to a, a larger agency that looks credible and has numbers that may or may not be made up. And mm-hmm. now you're paying multiple thousands per month and not seeing results. And in something like SEO or email marketing or social media management, mm-hmm. it takes so long to see results that that you could be paying a company thousands of dollars and not knowing that you're wasting your money until six months out or a year out. Right. So what would be a good tip for these businesses that maybe don't know? But I would recommend finding someone that you know that's in the marketing field that can Mm -hmm. vet businesses for you because people in marketing will be able to tell, at Mm -hmm. least in most cases. So I would definitely recommend finding someone that you can trust to be able to give you good advice because Mm -hmm. even there's even some agencies that have good intentions, but they might not be trained well on the subject or maybe they're using outdated methods. So even though they're they're genuine and authentic in the things they're telling you, their work isn't holding up. And so once again, you're going to get burned by that person or that agency. So you have to have someone, maybe even a marketing consultant that can look into what's happening mm-hmm. and make sure that you're on the right pace and that your freelancer or agency is doing the best work that they should be. Mm -hmm. It's always good to have just some sort of connection or a friend of a friend because like with anything, not all agencies are bad. Not all freelancers are good. There's good and bad with everything. I think having like some sort of connection, like you knew them or they're a friend of a friend or somebody there, whether it's a freelancer or an agency. Yeah, exactly. You like, you know, (laughs) they can't burn you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and then even from a freelancer perspective or if you're a marketer in general, you have to know too when to let clients go. So maybe if you're not experienced enough to handle this client or you're not seeing the results you wanted to, it's your responsibility to tell them. And even though that means less money in your pocket at the end of the day, it's it's your responsibility to take care of that business and have their best interest at heart. Yeah. Have you ever like had experience with that? Like any like tips for somebody who might have to break up with a client? Like what's a good way to go about it? I mean, people 
people always appreciate honesty. They will never be angry with you if they know that you tried your hardest. You should have some sort of game plan for them so you're not just dropping them as a client and sending them off on their own, Right. but saying, we're not the best fit, but here's a few things that I would recommend so Mm -hmm. that you can find the best fit. That is perfect. I love that. And I'm sure they appreciate that Mm -hmm. as well. Going on this client train that we're going on, how do you find clients now? Or is it still kind of like people reaching out to you? Or have you done any of the, I want to get them as a client, I'll pitch to them? Like, how does that process work? Mm -hmm. So to this date, doing good work is still the best way to get more work. I've had a few different clients that I do social for, and people have reached out to the owner saying, who does your social media? We want to hire them. That really is the best way to grow. But there are several websites online too that help freelancers specifically and my favorite right now is Upwork of course please take it with a grain of salt because there's so many (laughs) odd jobs on there and people there was someone the other day they were looking for an SEO strategy Mm -hmm. and they wanted results within 48 hours on a budget of $50 (laughs) which if you know (laughs) yeah Yes, that's like planting a seed and wanting a flower within five minutes. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to filter through the garbage that is Upwork, and you have to know when to put your foot down and Mm -hmm. say, you're not respecting my rates, you're not respecting my work, we can't work together. And I've had to do that quite a few times. However, there are great clients on Upwork Mm -hmm. who I have built really strong relationships with. That is awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes, too, so everyone can check out Upwork if they want to check oh, it out. Oh, perfect. Yes. <laughs> we're in this, like, transition phase as we're talking. So what's been the biggest change or challenge going from a full-time job to being your own boss? There are so many challenges, <laughs> and I find them daily because running your own business is no joke. Before I told you about the mentor I was assigned to that laughed when I asked if I wanted to start my own business, I understand why she laughed now because it's so much more work than you will ever think. So you have to be prepared to be in the trenches every single day. But the biggest challenge that I've faced so far is that if I make a mistake, there's no one there to help me dig Mm -hmm. out of it. I have to take full responsibility and move forward. Mm -hmm. So that requires a lot of honesty with clients. It requires me a few times I've had to give discounts if I forgot mm-hmm. to post for a week or mm-hmm. whatever it ends up being. We, we make mistakes and it's hard as a company of one because there's no one checking my work or sending me reminders. And so mistakes right. happened quite a bit in the beginning mm-hmm. and all my clients were really understanding and knew that those were growth pains, mm-hmm. but they were only understanding because I was honest, mm-hmm. but that's been really difficult. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And that makes perfect sense. It's just a huge transition. You have like other freelancers that you work with, but it's not like they're your boss or it's not Mm -hmm. like you're managing them all the time either. But on that point, I want to talk more about that actually, like the freelancers that you work with. So how did you make these connections to do those collaborations? Mm -hmm. Wow. Connections have come from so many different places, which is fun. Um, They've come from past workplaces. They've come from being forcibly put together with certain (laughs) clients. If Mm -hmm. clients have a preference for a photographer and now I'm working with them Mm -hmm. and then we connect from there. And actually I've met a lot of people in coffee shops, which 
for that reason, I don't normally go to coffee shops anymore to work because I end up talking to freelancers the whole time. I guess we get lonely, but um, <laughs> I've met a lot of really neat people in coffee shops and um, a lot of freelancers are wanting to work together because as I mentioned before, a lot of businesses want freelancers now. And so being able to work together in that space provides such a well-rounded package for clients who are looking for more than one service. Definitely. And then as we're talking about services, for someone wanting to do what you're doing now, I think a big question they have is like, how do they price themselves? Mm -hmm. Which I'm sure you ran across, like, how do you price yourself fairly? Was there like a resource or a tip that you learned that could be helpful to somebody else, like learning to price their packages? Yeah, that is really difficult. And actually, Mm -hmm. when I first started out, as I mentioned before, I did not feel qualified or ready Mm -hmm. to start a business. And so I underpriced myself quite a bit Mm -hmm. because I felt like that's what I was worth. And although that's unfortunate now, my clients have been understanding and me raising prices. Mm -hmm. So you can always know that whatever you start with, clients don't expect it to stay at that price. And if they do, they might not be the best fit because they're not respecting you as a freelancer and that this is your living. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to putting together packages for clients, you have to keep in mind all the expenses that you now have as a business owner. You have to buy a new laptop, likely. You have social media management platforms, and you have gas. And I have several out-of-state clients, and so sometimes I'm flying to see these clients. And there's so many expenses you don't think about because normally they're paid for by the business you work for. So it's not just pricing clients with your hourly rate. You're also thinking about the extra costs. When a new client comes to me, I have a base management fee. And regardless of what services they want, they will pay that initial fee. And then from there, I have separate fees for if they want Facebook posts and how many posts. Each of those posts is a separate fee. And if they Mm -hmm. want stories, I'm adding on. If they want emails, I'm adding to it. Mm -hmm. And one thing to keep in mind is that a a lot of smaller businesses only have one point of contact in marketing, and it's you. Like I I am their marketing manager. And even though to me, they're one of 10 clients, I am their person. And Mm -hmm. so when they have a marketing request come up, they will ask me to do it. And if that's not in the scope of work that we discussed, I have to tell them that I'm sorry, that's not in the package that we discussed, Mm -hmm. but if you'd like to add it on, it'll be this much. You cannot do favors for businesses, and they will respect that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I met with an apology, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, we can pay you. I've only been met with with conflict a few times, and we're able to reach a resolution, but you have to put your foot down because people will take advantage of you and not even out of bad intention. It's just what they're naturally doing is having a marketing individual an email away. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that makes perfect sense. I know it's it's kind of like that, like children's book, like if you give a moose a muffin, you never <laughs> read that. Like, so like, and like, it's you're so right. It's not even out of bad intention. Most of the time, they like they just don't remember exactly what was in the contract, or they think, oh, marketing, that's Chelsea. So I think that's super smart to be, hey, not in the contract. You can pay me this much to do it if you want. So exactly, super smart. It really just helps to keep mutual respect between the freelancer and the business, mm-hmm. which is ultimately how you form a long term relationship. If you're always mindful of the other person, mm-hmm. you will rarely run into conflict with them because there will always be a certain level of understanding and supporting the other business. Mm-hmm. 
Love that. The freelancer world, like there's a lot of freelancers, uh, businesses are trying to figure out who's right for them. For somebody that maybe doesn't have a lot of connections, anything they can do to make themselves stand out a little bit more. I have been able to set myself apart in the fact that I that I specialize in working with women-owned businesses because when the conversation is started with them, I'm able to communicate that from the beginning mm-hmm. and show them the samples of my work. And that's the biggest selling point is showing samples of your work. If you can prove that you know what you're doing and you see good results, mm-hmm. then people, I mean, businesses, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for results. So, but on the other hand, if you have a website that is SEO optimized and you have an email list you're using correctly and you have a social media that is also optimized correctly and you post frequently, that is your work sample right there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that makes perfect sense. And also on that client work, it's not always the easiest work because you kind of have to be a chameleon forming yourself into that brand on that task. I was going to say day, but you switch tasks so many times throughout the day that you have to talk a certain way one hour, write a certain way the next. What's your, do you have like a tip or any like resource or something that you found has been helpful for the client side of work? Because it is different, whether that's just setting clear expectations and contracts or, oh, we do approvals and there's a 24-hour period. It's something like that that you do to make the process smoother because client work can have a lot of hiccups because there's a lot of people with different opinions working on it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Even though project management software is typically used in larger businesses, you should absolutely use it even as freelancing because you can forget the smallest of tasks. Mm -hmm. When you have 10 clients you're working for and who knows how many responsibilities, you have to have a central location. So having a project management software is so so important. And then having a social media management software that supports you well. I used to use a more affordable social media management tool and it was great for the wallet, but it was not great for supporting me. It didn't post automatically to Instagram. It didn't give me optimized posting times. So I ended up upgrading to a social media management platform that includes everything. Mm -hmm. It has analytics reporting, so I don't have to curate numbers anymore. They send me the reports when they're ready, and then I can send them to clients. They post automatically to Instagram. And in the software as well, they have client approval, so I can send it directly to the client. They can make edits and then schedule it out. So it streamlines the entire process and makes it easier for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely helps when managing so many clients because you know that every T is crossed in the entire process. Additionally, when it comes to the separate branding and voice of each client, Mm -hmm. that is really difficult to switch between throughout the day because a travel photographer is going to sound much different than an architectural designer that focuses on minimalism, and Mm -hmm. they'll sound much different than a dentist and so on. So I have a branding style guide for all of my clients, and I have their mission statement written at the top. So every time I switch between a client, I re-familiar myself with their mission statement, which even though I have most of them memorized by now, it's still nice to look at it and remind myself, okay, this is who I'm working for. This is their voice. This is how their post should sound. And I notice that it's made a big difference in the, the overall content that I'm pushing out. 
That is awesome. For everyone listening, huge tip alert right there. That is such a great idea. I love that. And then we did get a few questions. So I posted a little question (laughs) box on my Instagram story and we got a few. I picked two that I thought were really interesting and relevant to you. So someone asked, how scary was it taking the leap to start your own biz? Any advice for those considering? It was horrifying, (laughs) but it's so normal to have fear and you should be fearful if it's something that you really care about, then you will be scared. So I wouldn't look at that as a negative emotion to feel. And one way that you can combat that is by preparation. You wouldn't just one day decide to quit your job and then say, okay, I'm going to freelance. What's my first step? The first step should have happened six months ago or eight months ago. If there's something that you're really wanting to do, whether it's backpacking through Europe for six months or starting your own business, You have to start taking small steps really far in advance, and that will help to eliminate some fear. Because when you do get scared, you can look at everything you've prepared and say, you know what, I got this. Mm -hmm. When it's time to backpack through Europe or start my business, I'm prepared. Love that. And second question, it was a little different of a question, but I thought you would be able to provide some unique insight on here. The second question was, how do I move an old school church into the social media arena? So any, t- I thought this was so unique. I was like, oh, like what a challenge. So any oh, thoughts on so that? <laughs> I know, I know we would definitely need more info probably, but anything right off the bat that you could think of to answer that. Well, let me think about that for a second, <laughs> actually. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many like levels to this. <laughs> so my hairstylist, actually, I've had this conversation with her before because she is the pastor's wife and it is a very old school church and she has been fighting for the last year to get them on social media and she's received a lot of no's from people. So assuming that you get a yes, which I hope that you do, I would start off with Facebook and Instagram. That has the largest versatility and you'd be surprised how much of the older audience is actually on Instagram. Uh, They may not know how to use it properly, (laughs) but they are on Instagram. And so I would start off by, if you think about the purpose of a church, it is entirely community focused and it is very hyper local. So all of your posts should be somewhere along those lines of building stronger relationships with current churchgoers or building relationships with potential churchgoers or reaching out into the community. So whenever the church is in the community, perhaps doing uh, community service, make sure that you're there documenting it and sharing stories, not just the date, time and place and where to go, but the difference that it's making so that you can create those connections. And lastly, if you think about going on Instagram and Facebook, it has no purpose unless people are following it. So how do you get people from the church to actually follow? I would have the pastor mention it. Maybe you could have flyers going around. Mm -hmm. Um, You could start tagging people in pictures so that they are peer pressured into following (laughs) you. (laughs) Whatever it may be to wrap that up. Instagram and Facebook will be your best friend. Make sure that you're diving into the community, well, the community of the church and the local community, Mm -hmm. and that you're urging people to follow so that they can actually stay connected with your page. That is amazing. Wow. Okay. The person that asked that, you just got like a free strategy. So (laughs) make sure to thank Chelsea for that. That was amazing. But that is a perfect segue into our next section of the podcast. We're going to talk social media, one of our favorite topics over here. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start off with, so everyone always asks, how can I get more followers? Is that even the right question to be asking at this point? 
with the way Instagram is. That's such a good question. (laughs) So if you think about Instagram now, almost every business is on it. Almost everyone has a personal account. There's a million bloggers. There's There is so much competition is what I'm trying to say. And so the days of expanding your follower count drastically are pretty much out unless you can go viral, which is really hard to do. And so unless you have the capacity to push out Instagram ads or you have a viral worthy concept, I would focus more on the engagement rate and building relationships. So rather than going after website clicks from having a ton of followers, go after relationships and having conversations with people. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips on how to better that engagement? Because I think Mm -hmm. people a lot of the time, it's like, I have a good following, I post, but then it doesn't get any likes and no and comments on it. Any yeah. tips for them? So the clients I run where I can tag a bunch of other accounts are the ones that grow the most. For example, mm-hmm. a wedding venue. When I post a picture of of a reception space, I can tag the photographer, the florist, the the wedding planner, the maybe the bride is in it, so I can tag her dress designer. And now all of those vendors will begin to share it on their social media. And so you're reaching into all of their audiences. So you can apply that to your business or your client's business as well. Try to tag anyone and everyone that you can that applies to the picture mm-hmm. so that they can share it with their following. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I love that. So everyone get to tagging. <laughs> Something also concerning Instagram, you actually sent me this quote from the Instagram product lead and I loved and we need to discuss. <laughs> um, so Julian Gutman, the Instagram product lead, released a statement that basically posed the question, not to worry about what the Instagram algorithm is, but how we should be reacting to it. We hear different things every day about the algorithm and people are always complaining about the algorithms, not showing my photos, but is there any thing like how do you react to the algorithm that you found successful so my biggest pet peeve is people falling victim to the algorithm which is a choice on their end sorry if that's you i'm calling you out (laughs) (laughs) instead you should look at the algorithm do as much research as you can and then say okay this is what instagram is doing now for the better of the users so how am i going to react to this and it actually doesn't come down to a question of what the algorithm is because Julian Gutman, he's the, as Abby said, he's the Instagram product lead. He announced what the Instagram algorithm is. And although this may have changed a little bit, I believe his interview was around five months ago. It's still fairly relevant, um, just with a few minor changes here and there. But he was talking about how the Instagram algorithm is based on user interest, post recency, and relationships. So user interest is along the lines of, let's say a dog fashion account has 5,000 followers that love dogs Mm -hmm. and 4,000 that do not care at all. Obviously those 4,000 people are not going to engage. They're not quality. So you have to make sure that you're reaching people who are absolutely interested in the product that you're offering. Or on the flip side, you need to be posting content that your users want to see. Mm-hmm. So as a photographer, maybe product photography gets really low engagement. Maybe you don't need to post about that anymore on Instagram if your commercial photography does 10 times better. Mm-hmm. So listen to your audience and post what performs best. Additionally, post recency. We all know that a post has a lifespan of you know 24 hours to 36 hours is when mm-hmm. most people will see it, and it'll trickle down from there. But because of that, you want to make sure that you're posting 
every other day or at least once every three days because at that point no one is going to be seeing your content anymore Mm -hmm. and play that by ear too let's if you're in the fashion industry you can get away with posting more Mm -hmm. but let's say that you're a business consultant people probably don't need business advice multiple times a day so you could get away with posting every other day Mm -hmm. and last relationships i believe that this is the biggest component that people are missing right now instagram was created to form relationships and to have conversations with your friends and family and so a lot of businesses don't perform as well because they're not having those relationships with people Mm -hmm. and Instagram can tell so I know that Abby likes my pictures all the time and I always like her picture so Instagram can tell that we know each other there's a relationship here Mm -hmm. we're friends and so I will always see Abby's content when I'm posting however if a business account let's say that I like their their pictures but they never like mine Instagram will say "Uh, there's not really so much of a relationship Mm -hmm. here this is kind of odd maybe we should limit their reach a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not seeing a mutual relationship, they're out of best interest for their users, they're going to limit how much that post is seen. Mm -hmm. So to combat this, you have to make sure that you are engaging on your account like you would normally, which is hard for business sometimes. It's it doesn't seem natural to go on a business account and scroll down the home feed and like pictures or watch mm-hmm. people's stories and comment, but that's what you have to do. That's the name of the game. Instagram wants relationships, so you got to give it to them. Yes, you have to give to get, for sure. Yes. And it's such a crazy what a difference it makes, because like on my personal account and even like client's account, the minute you start like, oh, like I'm, I have 30 free minutes today, like I'll go like and engage and even commenting back on your own comments on your own posts you can see it I feel like with even in 24 hours you already see a little bit more traction Mm -hmm. and obviously like anything it's not going to happen overnight but Instagram will definitely pick up on those habits and kind of see like oh they're giving some love we should help them since they're trying Mm -hmm. you know it's very true and you don't have to dedicate all your time to this whenever I tell (laughs) business owners that they go into panic mode and they're like oh my god how much time do I have to spend on social Mm -hmm. media it's going to take so much time and I always tell them No, when you're waiting in line for your Starbucks drink or when you're Mm -hmm. waiting at the doctor's office or maybe it's a commercial on TV, go on and engage really quick. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes of your day, but a few minutes here and there will really add up. Mm -hmm. Love that. We're going to talk a little bit about collaborations on social media because I know that you've done a lot of like different collaborations with photographers. How do those, because a lot of people out there do want to like say work with a photographer. How do those collaborations work? Do you photographers like reach out to you if they want to shoot with you or do you ever reach out to other people? Just like some insight on the collaborative side Mm -hmm. of social media. So this is a really tricky space because there's a lot of creatives or freelancers or business owners that want to collaborate because they see the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of people that feel like you're requesting free work or Mm -hmm. free exposure, a free photographer. And so you'll get very different reactions and it's okay to get shot down by some people. That's what will happen. Mm -hmm. And there will be some people that get very mad and send you a block of text. It's okay. You don't have to work (laughs) with them. But a lot of people will be open to it. However, you have to be mindful of follower count and engagement rate. Mm-hmm. So it's if you have 5,000 followers, 
it would be unlikely to collaborate with someone who has 20,000. Mm -hmm. It's usually more probable to ha collaborate with someone who has a similar follower count. Mm -hmm. And that goes for businesses as well, because people want it to be mutually beneficial. Because right. collaborations take a lot of time. It mm -hmm. takes time to set up the date that you're meeting up and to create an outline for the day and what your vision is for the collaboration and then actually follow through with it. So if it's not mutually beneficial, right. it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> but typically how people have found me on social media is through hashtags. Mm -hmm. So even though hashtags like Phoenix photographer, Arizona model, maybe Phoenix boutique, it might not have as many posts and you might not get seen as often. You might not get likes and comments from it. Mm -hmm. But when people search for those things, they will find you. Mm -hmm. So it's important to use those hashtags as well because mm -hmm. Instagram in a way does act as Google. People mm -hmm. do search for things on it, especially younger generations. Things like Phoenix restaurant or, right. or wedding venues mm -hmm. even. That's sometimes a first stop for millennials and Gen Z is mm -hmm. to search Instagram before Google. Right. So make sure you're searchable as well. Mm -hmm. I love that, which is funny. I actually found my wedding photographer looking at Mesa wedding photographer, Phoenix wedding photographer. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm so, talking about. Yeah, it happens exactly. all the time. Yeah. Back to the hashtags. Make sure they're specific enough to get you found if you want to be found. So I think that's a good takeaway there. And then last one before we head into our rapid fire. What do you think's coming next in the social media world? I know it's like a huge question and it even could be like what like specifically what Instagram, like what we'll be seeing more of there or in general or a platform, but like what's coming up that we should think as marketers, we should think about. Hmm, conspiracies. So actually <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, I would have said that having professional, really high quality content was mm -hmm. the best way to go about running social media. But recently I'm seeing that sometimes if you snap a picture on your phone and it looks more relatable and personable, people sometimes react better to those. So a photo shoot I might do will typically perform worse than a picture that was snapped on my phone mm -hmm. of my fiance and I at a holiday party. Mm -hmm. I think getting personal is where a lot of social media is headed. And to that point, that's why stories are so important because mm -hmm. it's a an inside look at what a business is doing day to day or what a blogger is doing day to day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel superficial and right. and curated. Mm -hmm. So yeah. make sure that your personality is seen mm -hmm. and that you're not faking it to match the blogger sitting next to you. Right. I love that. I think right nail on the head, like the originality, it's going to separate who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong, to be blunt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. So now we're going to head into our last round, the rapid fire, which then will end with a final question after that. So the rapid fire is just like a quick question. You can elaborate as much as you want, but it's just like a little more has a pace. Here we go. <laughs> this is scary. Okay, let's go. Ooh, this is a tough one. Just kidding. Buying Instagram followers, yes or no? Absolutely not. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate? Because I was... <laughs> Instagram hates it, and so you have to hate it as well. It'll ruin your engagement rate. Yes. Bad news. Yes. We're both on the anti-buying follower team. <laughs> I am most productive when... When I'm well-fed and well-rested. <laughs> that, that sounds nice. Um, I know it's a little different now being the runner of your own company, but to wind down after work, I... I play Scrabble with my fiancé. Oh, we're so such fun. an old couple, but it really, it, I don't know. Those, those are some of our best moments. 
I beat him every time, though, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Text or call? For clients, call. For friends, text. No, I like calls more in general. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going with calls. (laughs) Okay. Love it. My favorite social media or marketing resource is? Pinterest. Pinterest. Love. That's different. I love that. Oh, man. We didn't even talk about Pinterest. Next, we need to do a follow-up episode where it's just Pinterest. Because, yes, it's so (laughs) underutilized. Most people don't use it correctly, but when you do, it's amazing. And it's so powerful. Follow-up episode. Yes. Coming soon. (laughs) And last one before we go into our final question. I am inspired by? I am inspired by women business owners who, against all odds, have completely skyrocketed to the top, especially local business owners. I will follow them and admire everything they do. (laughs) Amazing. Love that. So last question, just to wrap it all up, what is something someone can do now? A lot of our listeners are either in high school or college or just graduating. What is something someone can do now to set themselves up to work in the marketing field or to even own their own agency? Something that they can do now that would really help them get that leg up. Mm -hmm. Internships, clubs, and agencies are incredible because you can work with a million different companies and get so many different areas of experience. Some are good and some are bad, and you're looking for both because Mm -hmm. you want to know what not to do. Mm -hmm. You also need to know what to do. So get as much experience as you can, even if it's a a job shadow for one day, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's working at an agency for a year, but start now. Love that. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Before we go, let everyone know, like, what? where can we follow you? Where can we follow the biz? So you can follow my Instagram. <laughs> my Instagram is Chelsea Scott Evans, and I'm sure Abby will link it below. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> so you can follow Amazing. me there. I absolutely love talking to people who are wanting to start their own business or go freelance. It's so exciting to me. And so if you're wanting to take the next step and you have questions, please DM me and I will respond. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chelsea. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my interview with Chelsea. She's an awesome example of carving your own path and going your own way. Make sure to give her a follow. Before you go, I'm going to quickly do my Friday favorite so you can get on with your workday. And my Friday favorite this week is actually when the hashtag Instagram down starts trending on Twitter. You know I have to check it out. The funniest tweet reply I saw was a girl responding to Instagram's response saying, fix this. My mom yelled at me because she thought I blocked her. And then she actually put a screenshot of a text message from her mom and her mom says and now I have issues with my Instagram almost as if I am blocked with like the little eyebrow smiley emoji like the quizzical one but so it was just kind of funny so Instagram just makes the world go crazy and at least we get some humor out of it from Twitter and with that have a great Friday have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you next week thanks for listening to Working Girl Talk